0: You need to do your market research. Uh, you need to make sure that the market is healthy, that there's space in the, in the market for your idea. And going back to the idea of validating, there's a great book. I don't remember who it's written by, by a couple of guys, I think. It's called Nail It and Scale It. I think it's a, a book that was produced here in Utah, but the book Nail It and Scale It talks about doing um, short, easy, a uh, market tests to allow you to validate or invalidate the, the demand for your idea or product um, in the market.
1: everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as a CEO and founder of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and, uh, and uh, small businesses with their patents, tra- trademarks, and everything else related to their business. And if you ever need help with your business, just go to strategymeeting.com and grab some time with us to chat. Now, today we have another great uh, guest on the podcast, Abdul and Kalumbi Kolumbi, perfect, yeah. All right. Hey, I very seldom get names right that aren't very straightforward, so I'll take that as a win right off the bat. Um, but to uh, introduce um, Abdul just a bit, so originally started out in DC, um, Washington, DC. and then he actually moved to Utah and grew up grew up in a place called American Fork and uh, started his entrepreneurial journey as early as high school, started a hat and t-shirt business and did that for a period of time and uh, made a bit of uh, spending money in high school as he's going through that. And then uh, in adulthood he started a few different businesses, tried some things out. Also then went to school at, uh, uh, I think it's UVU, is that right? UVU, yeah. UVU and studied entrepreneurship. And for those of you, university, or I guess it's uh, Utah Valley University. I had to think about it for a second, which is a, a school here in Utah, and then went back to D.C., interned for Orrin Hatch for a period of time, got a job, worked in D.C. for a few years with Orrin Hatch and then Senator Scott, and then it was in D.C., was getting a promotion, and then the last promotion he was kind of getting, turned it down because he wasn't necessarily happy or wasn't the direction he wanted, came back to Utah and starting and building a business, which is um, a consulting business, which is where he's at now, and uh, growing that and uh, and uh, putting his time and efforts there. So with that much as an introduction, welcome onto the podcast, Abdul. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it, Absolutely. Devin. Absolutely. So I gave kind of that quick kind of run through a, a bit of your business and a, a kind of your journey a bit, but take us back a, a big, back a bit, if I don't get tongue-tied too much, but take a, us back a bit to kind of being in high school and starting out with your initial entrepreneur journey of the t-shirt and hat business.
0: Well, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur since maybe 8, 9, 10 years old. I always wanted to... Uh, uh, create value for other people. So I would just create or invent different things and try to sell it to my friends and family members. Mm. Um, One time when I was a little kid, I created something called the yo-yo ball where I would take a golf ball because there was a golf course near a house. So sometimes the golf balls would, you know, come over the fence and uh, I uh, would grab the golf ball and I I took some uh, rubber bands and tied the rubber bands together and tied it to the golf ball and taped rubber bands to the golf ball and made like a little elastic yo-yo ball, you know, and I, I would try to sell those to my friends and so forth. Uh, mm. Moving into high school, um, I was always interested in fashion. So I was interested in looking good. So I uh, created a clothing brand called Dizzy C, uh, mm. in which, um, it, uh, it was, it was fun. Uh, I learned some graphic design. I, uh, created my own designs and uh that was that was fun I made a little bit of money there and um that's sort of that's sort of my the, the high school phase of entrepreneurship um I also had a in our high school I actually had a uh a graphic design company too where I would do logos and things for other people so that was fun
1: no, that, and I think that's awesome. So, so now you do, you did that in high school, starting even earlier, you did the entrepreneur thing, kind of did the yo-yo balls, got into high school, made a little bit more of a business, you know, sold the hats and the apparel for a bit of time. And then you graduating from high school kind of, you know, after you, as you're graduating, where did that take you next? Or where did you go from there?
0: After high school, I went on a, uh, an LDS mission, uh, which hmm. is commonplace here in Utah. So I went to New York city for two years and, uh, served uh, uh, for my church and that was a great experience. And uh, um, the LDS mission was hard, uh, but it, one of the things that taught me was to uh, work hard. And uh, we did a lot of street contacting in New York city. And I was able to learn how to uh, just be fearless as far as like, mm. uh, Talking to people and trying to uh, basically sell them on uh, the message that we were sharing at the time, uh, which is the Christian message, you know. So mm.
1: um,
0: those are some good skills I learned. Um, also, learned to deal with re- rejection well. Uh, being in New York City, it's hard to hard to sell religion. So um, mm. uh, learn rejection, and I think that's a great part of uh, entrepreneurship. Um, is dealing with rejection, that discouragement, and picking yourself back up. Uh, that reminds me. Uh, I was telling a friend the other day that like uh, there was this girl in college that uh, I really liked, and she had no interest in me. But I asked her out multiple times, and she kept on saying no. But I had so much confidence in myself and who I was, and who I, you know, who I could be as far as possibly her boyfriend but I asked her out multiple times and she Mm. kept on saying no, but I was telling my friend entrepreneurship is like asking this girl out nine times. And she said, see, she said no, all those nine times, but you still ask her out the 10th time because you have that much confidence. So I sort of equate entrepreneurship to that. So those are sort of, sort of my post high school experiences and sort of the things I learned.
1: Mm. So now so you, and so now you, you kind of you know, first of all learn from high school, start out an entrepreneur, you go on an LDS mission, further get some experience with you know selling people so to speak on things that they may not at least initially or know that they need. and then you come back from your mission. and is that when you went to UVU or did you get back into business before going to UVU? Uh, I,
0: I went to UVU, I went to UVU and I had a I I took a little break from entrepreneurship for a couple of years or so, went to UVU. And I
1: at UVU, I did study entrepreneurship, so and they have a great program there. Hmm. So now, so you study entrepreneurship, you come out, you know, you have the a bit of the education, and you're saying, okay, what am I? You know, I've 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 been on a mission. I've I tried this out in high school. I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Now, how did you get into deciding, you know, to go into DC and intern for Orrin Hatch and kind of take that route as opposed to something else for entrepreneur? Kind of what led you to that? Well, and
0: uh, in college, I was a president of a couple clubs, uh, so I had I rubbed shoulders with a lot of the higher higher executives at UVU. So I was fortunate to be able to have an opportunity to intern in D.C. for Orrin Hatch because someone told me I should apply for the uh, internship and that I would be a good candidate for it. Mm. So that's what I, that's what I did. Um, So I got the internship. Um, I went to D.C. for three months just during my last semester of college. Hmm. And uh, it was a great experience. Um, I loved my experience in politics so much that uh, uh, at the end of my internship, I walked into my chief of staff's office and I asked him for a job and Hmm. uh, he gave me a job. So I didn't go home after my internship. I just stayed in D.C. and. I worked another couple of years or so, and I then went to, after Senator Orrin Hatch retired, I, uh, I went to work for um, Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina. So that was a great experience, too.
1: Mm, no, and I think that sounds awesome. So, So you did that, you know did the, or internships, and then what turned into a job for a period of time. So you're going through and you worked originally for, you know, uh, Orrin Hatch, and then you went and worked for Scott, you know, and that, you know, is it's kind of a an aside, but is that exciting? Is it, you know, is, you know, is it like on TV or you got all the fast pace and the politics is it as much as it is, or is it a bit more boring or kind of what is it to work as an intern and then on the Hill at uh, DC with the, the various senators?
0: Yeah, I mean, man, man it, it is, it is nuts. It is nuts. Hmm. Um, it was, it was a thrill. It was exciting. It was stressful. It was emotional. It was all the above uh, and not to get the political, but the last four years have been, you know, challenging for the city of DC. Um, and I think that really affected just the, the environment and the atmosphere of uh of, of capitol hill where i worked uh, mm. but it was it was great i learned so much and uh, on the hill you you typically have to be a type a personality to to work there you have to be super driven and super smart and uh, i didn't think i was those things but other people thought i was those things so i was fortunate and blessed to be able to work there
1: no, and I think that's awesome. So now, and you had that opportunity, I think, you know, g- gained a lot of experience and a lot of kind of know-how, so to speak, and, you know, get, and getting that. So now what was the, and I think we chatted a little bit before, uh, before the podcast, you know, you, you kind of were up for a promotion. You were looking, you know, you're continuing to move up the chain, so to speak, and you had a decision that, Hey, I don't want to do this anymore. So kind of maybe share a little bit about how you decided that you were, you know, you were done with that phase of life and what uh, drove you to come back to Utah.
0: Yeah, man, that was a real hard decision. I mean, I, I kept on getting promoted in Congress, and the last promotion I got, or I was offered at least, I I had to decline it because I just knew it wasn't going to make me happy. I thought going to D.C. and staying in D.C. that that would be my career trajectory, uh, no. that is politics. Uh, I was sure that I was going to be in politics and do that as a career. But I, I was just reminded that when I was in D.C., Uh, that I always wanted to be an entrepreneur and that's that's what I want to do I want to own my own business Mm. Um, so I made the really hard decision to to quit uh, politics and quit congress and move back to Utah and I moved back with no job with no money I was just like I'm going to take a sabbatical and which was much needed um, and I'm going to come back to Utah I'm going to start a business or so and, you know, to be honest, like working in Congress, it's, it's not an easy job to get. I mean, people are very envious of those positions and you really have to know somebody to, to get in many times. A lot of times people, people do multiple uh, internships, free internships to just get their foot in the door in Congress. So I was really hmm. fortunate to work, work there, um, but I had to make the hard decision and just follow my heart.
1: No, and I think, you know, that's always a hard thing. It's, you know, if you've been doing something for a while, you be, you start to, you're being successful at it. People are wanting to promote you and you're, you know, kind of working in that direction to finally make the decision. Okay, I'm just not happy or this isn't the path I want to be. And I'm going to walk away from it as, you know, sounds easy on the, you know, to the outside. Oh, you just go follow what you love. But on the other hand, you've put a lot of time and effort and doing or gaining experience and doing those things. And so now that you decide, okay, not happy. I want to, you know, I'm I'm going to leave this. I'm going to come back to Utah and build a business, you know, and you took that sabbatical coming off of that sabbatical. How did you then kind of figure out what you were going to do or how you're going to do it or where you are going to put your time and effort?
0: I didn't have very much direction. To be honest, Evan. like I didn't know what business I was going to build. I had no idea what I was going to do. I just knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So I just, Hmm. I meditated for many months. I've been back in Utah for 10 months or a little nine or nine, 10 months now, I meditated for many months trying to figure out what business I should do. Um, And it was really discouraging because I was like, a lot of times I was like, I shouldn't have moved back to Utah. I should just stay in DC because there was security in DC, you know, for me. And I was, I was comfortable. Um, But moving back to Utah was such a risk Mm. uh, that I felt that risk as I moved back here because I didn't know what I was going to do. And, um, and I think it's challenging too, Devin, that uh, you know, there is a lot of security in having a job and you increase that insecurity when you're an entrepreneur uh, because you have to get leads, you have to, you have to sell, you have to, I mean, entrepreneurship doesn't end at 5 PM, you know, like a job does. Mm -hmm. So um, even now, um, sometimes I envy having a, uh, having a job because it's 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 really hard work, entrepreneurship is.
1: Yeah. As the old joke goes, you know, the best thing about being an entrepreneur is you get to choose what uh, 80 hours of the week you work. And I think there's a lot of, a lot of truth to it in the sense that, you know, there is, you know, a little bit of, I don't know, even necessarily security, but comfort in, Hey, once I get my job done for the day, I can go home. I don't have to worry about things. I don't have to always have things weighing on my mind. Otherwise, you know, go down that route. And so, you know, it's, it's one where it's, it's, there's a lot of perks and a lot of, you know, fun things about being an entrepreneur, but there is also that trade-off. So now as you've done that and you've kind of gone through the, um, you know, got, figured out what you wanted to do, kind of started down your business. And I think it was, you know, business consulting and uh, and building that, and especially on kind of how to evaluate mo- em- emotional well-being in that um, for, you know, people that are doing startups and small businesses and helping them out. How has it gone? Has it been, great and taken off has it been bumpy on a hit of covid skids or kind of how has that gone and kind of where do you see things going from here yeah it's
0: it's been challenging it's been challenging just because uh with consulting uh companies need to have a budget you know uh for consulting because consulting isn't cheap you know so um so it's been challenging with covid because uh there's been a lot of layoffs and businesses are closed so a lot of businesses are, their budgets are thin. Um, so uh, I've, been, I've been working been working and uh, been doing a lot of free work to get my, my foot in the door. Um, I've been doing coaching sessions with individual employees and, and also uh, groups of employees, helping them to mm. uh, manage their stress and uh, better uh, live more mindfully and uh, work more mindfully. So it's been, it's been, it's been challenging, but I think I'll, I just hired a personal assistant. So she's going to be able to help me get some leads and what I'm doing right now, I have a full-time job, um, but I'm building my business on the side. Um, uh, So I, I just pay uh, uh, a personal assistant, maybe around $10 an hour to make, you know, easy foot, easy cold calls and things like that and that's a real good way as an entrepreneur to uh not stretch yourself out too thin i was trying to do it all by myself um for the first few weeks uh, my business that is and i just got burnt out so um just this week i hired a personal assistant to help me out so that, that should work out well for me
1: hmm no, I think that's, you know, I think that bringing on the people that can, you know, provide that help and that assistance in order to continue to grow so you can spend the your your ability and and what you do best uh, and focus your time and efforts on that as as always sounds like a great way to continue to grow things and to expand. So that kind of brings us up today and a little bit looking to the future. So with that, we'll kind of transition to the two questions I always ask at the end of the podcast. So the first question I always ask is, along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made and what did you learn from it?
0: The Worst business decision I ever made? Um, probably my clothing company probably was... Uh, of the worst business decisions I made just because I did not validate in the market that there was a demand for my particular clothing brand. Mm-hmm. I just sort of created this idea, this brand in my mind that I liked, but uh, I had no validation from the market that they would like it. So just selling those t-shirts were were much harder uh than than it should have been. Mm-hmm. Um So
1: that probably was the biggest, worst decision I've made. All right. No, definitely, definitely a decision that you can learn from and uh, and grow from as as, as you continue on in your entrepreneurial journey. So now we jump to the second question, which is if you're talking to somebody that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them?
0: Um, I would, uh, I would say. you need to do your market research. Uh, you need to make sure that the market is healthy, that there's space in the, in the market for your idea. And going back to the idea of validating, there's a great book. I don't remember who it's written by, by a couple of guys, I think. It's called Nail It and Scale It. I think it's a, a book that was produced here in Utah, but the book Nail It and Scale it talks about doing um, short, easy a uh, market tests to allow you to validate or invalidate the the demand for your idea or product um, in the market i would also say when you're testing the market you always want to create a uh, uh, a minimum viable product ideally mm. y- you don't want to have to create a physical product as of yet because you're just testing the market if you can do like a, um, a digital design of your product or some other kind of version of your product to show other people to see um, what they think. Uh, and I would also say, as you're you know showing people your uh, minimum viable product, it's called MVP, mm-hmm. um, you always want to make sure that uh, you're not seeking validation or confirmation from your family and friends because your family and friends are not typically your customers. Uh, if they give you money for your your product, uh, they're probably doing it just because they want to support you, not because they actually want the product. Um, hmm. So sometimes entrepreneurs get confused that uh, they're, they're getting a few dollars from their family and friends, which is good. Money is money but you want to go out to the greater market and validate your idea. Uh, And when someone that's not your family or friend opens their wallet and gives you money for your product or service, that is an indication that your, your product is, uh, is, is is, there's a space in the market for your product.
1: Mm, No. And I think that, that, Figuring out a product, you know, whatever level of product it is that you can then go out, have that minimally viable product, as I mentioned, um, get it out in the marketplace, kind of get that feedback, see how to adjust it and otherwise start to not, and as you mentioned, not even just go to family because family's always going to be nice. They're always going to be supportive of you want you to succeed and they won't necessarily give that honest feedback, but. Go ask a stranger. No, just ask a stranger, what do you think? But ask them, hey, will you pay for this? Or would you buy this? And, you know, why don't you buy it right now? And if they say, well, I think it's a great idea, but I don't think I, it's right for me or I don't want to buy it, then I think it gives you that feedback that you may want to see that, you know, hey, people are, are, while they're nice, they're not going to buy it, then, or, you know, they're not paying for it, then, you know, you go back to the drawing board a bit. So I think that those are, that's certainly valuable um, feedback as well or, or valuable advice, so. Well, as we now wrap up is if people want to find out more about your consultancy and what you're doing, they want to be a customer. They want to be a client. They want to be an investor. They want to be an employee. They want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above. What's the best way to reach out to you and find out more?
0: Yeah. Let me tell you a little bit about my business first. Uh, my business is called Mzelea Leadership. That's mm. M-Z-E-L-E-A. Um, so Mzelea Leadership uh I am an executive coach and a mindfulness coach. So mindfulness is a a practice that comes from Buddhism uh, that basically teaches you how to live in the present moment. It helps you with your decision-making, helps you stay calm, helps you uh, stay focused and concentrated. And I teach leaders how to be more mindful in the workplace. So they have better uh, responses to, to stimuli, uh, at, at their job and they're less re- reactive to these to the stimuli. Um, so basically I'm a mental health coach for, for employees and uh, uh, other leaders. So I do that executive coaching and I also do like group sessions with employees and teach them about mindfulness. So, but you can reach me at uh, Abdul at Mzellia, leadership.com and again that's m-z-e-l-e-a-leadership.com
1: awesome well i definitely encourage everybody to reach out find out more so certainly support and if you're you know use or i think there's a lot of room especially with COVID, working from home, stresses, everything being uncertain to be a bit more mindful, have that, uh, that coaching and that uh, air, air assistance so that you can uh, be able to continue on your journey, be successful, and perform to the best of your ability. Well, as we wrap up, first of all, thank you, uh, Abdul, for again, for coming on the podcast. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you listeners, if you have your own journey to tell, we'd love to have you on the podcast for you to share it. Just go to inventiveguest.com to apply to be on the show. And uh, if you're a listener, also one, make sure to click subscribe and your podcast listener so you get notifications as all of our awesome episodes come out. And two, leave us a review so new people can find out about us as well. Last but not least, if you ever need help with your patents, trademarks, or anything else with your business, reach out to us at Miller IP Law. Um, Just go to strategymeeting.com and we're always happy to help. Well, thank you again, Abdul. It's been fun to have you on. It's been a pleasure and uh, wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last.
0: All right. Thank you.